Hello and welcome to the Dragon's Inn, where we talk about witchcraft, the metaphysical, and folklore. So come on in, have a cup of tea, get comfortable, and stay for a spell. Hello again, dear listeners. Well, I know it's been a while, but I heartily enjoyed my break and Easter, and I hope that you did too. I've been busier than ever now that spring is truly upon us here at the inn, as well as where I work. I've done so much walking around this week, feeding grass, that I think I passed myself going. (laughs) I enjoyed my birthday, other than some massive leg cramps that were caused by the charity ride I did the day before... But it was with an excellent group of riders who help sick and underprivileged kids in the area. The money they take in goes right to those in need here, and I think that's fantastic. Other than that, it was a low-key, relaxing day, and you know how dragons like to chill and relax. My partner made me an amazing cake, and I say cake with quotation marks because it wasn't a traditional one by any means. She actually made a meatloaf cake with mashed potato icing. Sprinkle some corn on top and you have a meal. I had to laugh. The reason she did it was to one-up me from what I did for her birthday the past two years. Last one I did pancakes the way she liked, fried in a little bit of oil, and the year before I did a chocolate cake from scratch, including the frosting. A challenge, no doubt, but a fun one. I didn't happen to do much for Easter or Ostara, sadly, got cut up in everything, including going to her family's for lunch slash dinner, but it was a nice day, and I sat outside and enjoyed myself. I read a couple of witchy articles, and I'm going to tell you about them, but I'm going to tell you one is, one is true, and one is satirical, which I was glad to learn about the one being satirical, but uh, I'll, I'll kind of read them both to you a bit. And uh, just for a little bit of fun, you pick which is which. Uh, Reason being is they are related to one another uh, for pagan discrimination. So the first one I got uh, was by the friendly atheist uh, Hemant Meha. A pagan employee is suing Panera Bread, citing religious discrimination by her managers. Uh, The writer goes on to say, when I read that a Panera Bread employee was allegedly discriminated against because of her religious beliefs, I assumed it meant someone needed certain religious holidays off and her manager wouldn't give it to her. Nope, it's so much worse than that. Tammy McCoy began working at a Panera in Pleasant Hills, Pennsylvania in late 2019. As far as she knows, she did a good job. She also happens to be a pagan. But that should have been irrelevant in the workplace. It's not like she was asking for any kind of special treatment. But according to a federal lawsuit, she just filed against the company. She was taking a break during a shift last May along with General Manager Lori Dubbs and Assistant General Manager Carrie Ann Show, when the latter asked her about her faith. McCoy answered honestly. Things went downhill from there. Show made a face and immediately said, you're going to hell. Dubs, standing nearby, vigorously nodded her head in agreement. A couple of days later, on or about June 2nd, 2020, the plaintiff asked Show when the work schedule would be posted. 
Allegedly, Sho told the plaintiff, Your hours are being cut until you find God. She reiterated that the plaintiff needed to find God before she would return the plaintiff to her previous schedule. Over the next couple of weeks, Dubs and Sho created and subjected the plaintiff to a hostile work environment because of religion. They frequently told the plaintiff things like that her religion is false, that she needs to believe in God, and that her soul will be condemned to hell, and that they would pray for her soul. When McCoy told the district manager about what was going on and requested a transfer to another location, she was turned down. When she asked that manager for the number for Panera's Human Resources Department, she was told, quote, if you call HR about this, you'll be fired on the spot. She found the number and called corporate anyway, but they never called her back. By July, she was told to put in her resignation notice. When she asked her manager why, the response from Dubs was, I don't like you, allegedly. Then, McCoy was fired. Oh, and by the way, her husband, who worked at the same location, was also fired, even though he had nothing to do with any of this. If true, it is just blatant religious discrimination. Paula Reed Ward of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review called the restaurant for comment, but Show apparently said she couldn't speak with reporters. Panera's corporate side didn't respond at all. Speaking of the store's managers, the lawsuit claims Panera's actions were discriminatory on the basis of religion and constituted harassment in the workplace. In addition, the company retaliated against McCoy for wanting to speak with HR. It's all just a reminder that being a non-Christian, even when you're not talking about it, could very easily come back to haunt you if you're surrounded by overzealous Christians. Obviously, this is only one side of the story, and we have yet to hear a rebuttal. But what a depressing story so far. That is a bit messed up, if you ask me. Of course, what else is new? It's something we pagans have dealt with for a long time, and I think it's something that helps us empathize with others who are discriminated against. My personal belief, mind you. And I'm sure not to the same extent as some, but a little insight does go a long way, no? Here's the next article. In Washington, this one was written by, this one was written by Andrew Hall. Uh, according to this, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene is promoting a bill that if signed into law will create the Department of Anti-Witchcraft, DAW. The handbook of the DAW will be the gold standard of anti-witchery, the 1490 classic, Malleus Maleficarum, the Hammer of Witches. The push for the Department of Anti-Witchcraft is yet another sign Green is a fanatic who wants to make her brand of Christianity America's number one domestic and foreign concern. She plans the DAW will protect vital Judeo-Christian interests wherever they are threatened. God's interests are American interests, Rep. Green said. So what will this department do? In theory, the federal department will interface with all of the other federal law agencies, FBI, NSA, ATF, and ZZ Top. The director of DWA will have the power to train all existing and future agents in the skills needed to combat the devil and his lick spittles. The Bible is true and the devil is real, said Representative Green's assistant, Andrew Kennard. What we really need to do is break the cycle where women are introduced to really hot and vir viral devils. Once that cycle is stopped, God willing, we will be able to ferret out and prosecute guilty witches who are spoiling our cow's milk and making male Republican politicians super hungry for... Well, it, it, gets, uh, it gets a bit 
uh, graphic. <laughs> the article does go on for quite some time. Um, like, uh, virtue signaling to Trump supporters and, and so on and so forth. Like I said, it, it goes on for a while. That one really gets me. How about you? Can you tell which one is real and which one is satire? Mull it over and I'll come back to it after the mineral of the week. And this week's mineral of the week is zeolite. Zeolite is a group name for framework of silicates with exchangeable siations. They are well-defined hydrosilicates. The minerals in this book, which are in the zeolite division, include inosite, zonolite, ganophyllite, pumpelite, aconite, apophyllite, pectolite, prenite, philipocyte. I think they're making some of these up. <laughs> Chabazonite, natrolite, etc. The name, as a new group name, was first reported in 1756 by A.F. Kronstelt and was named from the Greek words meaning to boil and rock in reference to the intuminescence of the minerals during the blowpipe portion of the analysis. The chemical composition and the hardness vary with respect to the specific mineral within the group. Specimens shown provide some examples of the zeolite group. Um, so... Pune, uh, Pune, India, and then also one from Australia, and they're they're quite a bit different actually. I'll I'll post a picture uh, of them with with the uh, episode. Zeolites in general have assisted in the improvement of the environment and to ethereally absorb toxic products and odors. Gridding with zeolites around waste dumps has also been effective. It is an excellent energy for Reiki to further one's actions and to stimulate the proper response to the energies applied. Zeolites may also be used to improve agricultural pursuits. They have been used to dispel water retention, to treat goiter, to eliminate alcohol addictions, and to release toxins from the body. Zeolite vibrates to the number 2. In addition, there are special formations of the general zeolite, that have been analyzed and which are reported as such. Until recently, the zeolite was said to never occur with quartz. However, the Earth has made this combination available, and lovely specimens are emerging from Pune, India, and from the Brandberg Mountains in Namibia, Africa. The photograph, it's um, a bit greenish, it's very pretty, shows a specimen from the Brandberg Mountains, Namibia, Africa. This combination melds the energy of the specific zeolite with the energy of quartz to produce a forceful and dominant energy. In addition, it has been shown to be dynamic healing stone and a stone for romance. This combination also resonates to the astrological sign of Leo. This particular zeolite vibrates to the number 6. And then there's also picture zeolite. Picture zeolite is defined as the, and this one's technically a little bit differently, but I'll, I'll read it to you too, and I'll, I'll post a picture as well, because it's, it's really a neat picture. Anyway, picture zeolite is defined as the fine-grained massive formation of the clonoptolite member of the zeolite group, which exhibits a wavy-lined pattern resembling a rose-slash-golden-to-white des desert, the wave and form of the universe and or other worlds and or otherworldly images. The name Picture Zeolite was coined by the miner of this formation in Australia in reference to the many renditions of pictures which may be seen within the formation. 
Clinoptilolite was first discovered by W.T. Schaller in 1923 and was named from the Greek word meaning under wing or feathery down, referring to the light downy nature of aggregations of the mineral and or in reference to the inclination to the optical extinction. Uh, the specimen locality is uh, central Queensland, Australia. This mineral has been used to bring the benevolence of the otherworldly beings to one's environment during waking hours and or during dream time. One exercise, where the mineral is placed beneath one's pillow, has prompted the detailed intellectual knowledge with respect to the ancient colonization of the earth by otherworldly beings. Picture zeolite has been used to facilitate a clear channel for communication between the physical plane and other planes of existence. It promotes concurrent communication between the self and a multitude of different worlds with centering upon the identical topic. The mineral can be used to cleanse the aura, eliminating both the negativity and the impurities, to cleanse all of the chakras, and to provide for the clearing of the pathway so that the physical and the ethereal planes have the required electrical connection to provide perfection. Picture zeolite can act to dispel severity in one's character and in one's compartment, acting to dissipate anger which has been built upon a conceived or an actual transgression of the past committed by another towards one. It has actualized the determination of the association slash associations one had with another in a past life. The mineral has also exhibited the magnetic effect assisting one in gaining it has been used, placed within one's environment, to remove pollutants and toxins. It is currently being used in gridding of the earth to perform the same function and to return an energy of love to each location within the grids. It is truly an environmentally protective mineral. The formation has been of great benefit to the earth, bringing fertility to soils and enhancing balance and acidity. It further stimulates the growth of the plant kingdom and has increased yields in gardens and agricultural crops. I've got to get me some of this. The mineral and or elixir acts to balance the negative and positive electrical charges within one's body and within one's environment, introducing a greater capability for storage of positive energy, nutrients, etc., and has been used extensively in polarity therapy. It has been used for the chelation of chemical toxins, to further the maintenance of body heat, and in the treatment of rheumatism and arthritis due to damp conditions, bacterial infections, ulcers, diabetes, diarrhea, swelling, bloating, dehydration, acidosis, degenerative disease, and disorders of the skeletal system. It has also been used to further the assimilation of calcium, potassium, and magnesium. Picture zeolite vibrates to the number 9 and to the number 4. So, have you made your mind up on the articles yet? Or did you cheat and use Google? Well, I'm happy to report that Snopes and other sources have said that the anti-witch bill is a satirical article. No doubt the tip-off was ZZ Top being listed as a federal agency. Although I think that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, I have to say my partner... Uh, laughed at me a little bit. She gave me flack because at first it made my, me jump to blood boiling and I immediately looked it up to know for sure. And, and she was all, look at you reading the article and doing research. <laughs> Stay tuned and we'll talk about some of the tools of the trade for your altar right after this brief message from a podcast that you should be listening to. 
Oh, hey there, Count Panic. I got a question for you. What's that, Bob? What do you know about Mothman, the Loch Ness Monster, ghosts, demons, and things that go bump in the night? Not much, Bob. Well, lucky for you, we host a podcast called Bob After Dark, where we talk about legends, lore, and the supernatural. Wow, where can I find this podcast? Wherever you find your great podcasts at. And welcome back. Were you looking up those articles during the break? I'd love to hear any more witchy news that uh, you'd like to share. I, I have to be honest, I have been struggling a little bit to come up with topics on the show. So if there's some things you'd like to talk about or you'd like to hear talked about or want to hear my opinion on it or, or anything like that, definitely give me a message. I uh, don't have a segue here, so here's a terrible and clunky transition. <laughs> Witch tools. They're varied and sometimes complex, sometimes simple, sometimes few, and sometimes many. They can range from your fingers and hands to wands and staffs. You can use intricately carved candles or cheap birthday candles, simple incantations, or elaborate poems and words. What works for every witch is going to be different. And if what works for you is criticized or lambasted by other witches... Remind them that your path is not their path, and unless you asked for it, their opinions should stay their own. I mean, that's how I'd say it, but I'm hot-blooded and confrontational. <laughs> anyway, I'd like to go over some of the common tools that many witches do typically have. These are things we do kind of share in common here. A few different ways to craft or find them, and some ways to use them. These are all open to interpretation, and what's comfortable for you, your budget, and your space. So it's all very dependent on those things. First and foremost, an altar to do your witchcraft on. I have a full altar made from a low-end table resting inside a cedar chest. I have the space and was given these items. My mentor said that your altar can be whatever you want it to be, but it should only be used as your altar. Not something mundane and used daily for other things like your kitchen table. Which I get that. It is a sacred space. But some folks can have an entire wizard chest like I do. Only one side of my cedar chest holds the altar. The rest is all storage for items I've gathered over the years. My mentor's altar was the top of one of her filing cabinets. I had a friend whose altar was the top of a low bookshelf, so it was about chest height as you stood and looked at it. I have a few altar cloths that I've gotten from Tamed Wild over the last year and a half, which I'd love for you to sponsor me, Tamed Wild, if you're interested. <laughs> but for a number of years, I didn't have one. I had always meant to get or make one, but not having one does make wax cleanup easier, at least. <laughs> the Dragons in Facebook pages... Um, the, the the page cover itself, the photo is actually of my setup for the winter solstice. Now, if you're still in the broom closet, a nice flat box can be both your witchy supply storage and your altar on top. It can be as plain or elaborate as you wish. It could be a small lock box, something of that nature. Whatever you're comfortable with, whatever you're able to do in your living space, and whatever your budget is able to do. These are all factors you have to decide for yourself. Nobody else can. Now, of course, you can take suggestions. You can, uh, you can ask for suggestions, and, and others can offer help. 
But at the end of the day, it's your altar. Make it your own. The next most important tool, my opinion, would be a wand. Naturally, as an extension of yourself, your wand should feel like holding a friend. You can use a purchased one, one you craft, one that is a gift, or even your own hand and your finger. I happen to have two that I made, one I purchased, and one that was gifted to me. The one I use the most often is one of the two that I made. It has a story behind it, it has memories attached to it, and every time I hold it, it feels warm, and it feels just comfortable, like it just fits perfectly in my hand, because it's dedicated with my blood. It is a part of me as much as I am a part of it. Now, the other wand I made is actually copper. I just welded some copper pieces together and bent one end. I was really just kind of messing around, but I liked the results, so I kept it. But the wand that I use the most often, I... a bit of a story behind this one. Uh, my mentor had suggested that uh, she would help me find and, and make a wand. And she said that for men, uh, typically an ash tree is used. And I said, well... I've always liked oak trees. I've always had an affinity for them. I, I like the shape of their leaves and the acorns and everything. I'd like to use oak. She said, okay, let's go find oak trees. Well, she and I spent, oh, geez, we spent almost an entire day uh, going from place to place looking for oak trees and stuff. Looking for oak trees. And uh, it's, <laughs> you can kind of laugh. I do. I went along and I, I touched different branches, different sticks coming off branches. I wanted to find something that felt comfortable. And it, and it, I hate to say this, but like in, in the movie Harry Potter or in the books, it, it is very, it was for me very much an aha moment. I, I had been touching oak trees for the better part of the day. I happen to be in a little cemetery that uh, I know for a fact is very haunted, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, it was a smallish oak tree, and uh, I, I touched one part of it, and it just felt... It was a cool fall day, and it just felt warm. So I, I said, I think I've got it. I took out the snippers. I cut the, the stick off of the tree. And I thanked the tree for giving me a part of itself and for coming along and, and being a part of my journey and for you know, choosing me. And my mentor said decorating the wand was very much up to me. Uh, initially, I had used a piece of wire to put a crystal on the uh, opposite end from where I hold it. But I took it off. I, I wasn't too thrilled with the way it turned out. But something I did do was I took a few small quartz crystals and I embedded them into the wand in a few places, and it made it look like a couple of them are kind of growing out of it. Now, she had suggested I dip or paint the wand in varnish with the bark on in order to make it last, you know, not deteriorate, which is what she had done with her wand, which was made out of willow. And I did it, and I let it dry, and I could tell, for a while there, I could tell that it really didn't like it. Like, when I grabbed it, the warmth that was usually there every time I picked it up was gone. Now, eventually, the wand did accept it, but 
it took it a while. Something else I did is I had wrapped the handle with green leather string strips, whatever you want to call it. And I just kind of instinctually wrapped it around to make like a grip. And I really like a cross kind of crossing each other sort of grip. And I like the way that it turned out. And it's been that way ever since. And I just tied it. And what's interesting is I didn't glue any of that. I didn't, uh, any of the pieces, I didn't, it just tied it off and it's always stayed right where I put it. And I find that well, magical, fascinating. I don't know the best way to describe it, but I'll, I'll post a picture of my wand with this episode so you can look at that too. But uh, the other thing she had me do was dedicate it and make it a part of me and make me a part of it. So what did that entail? So in the handle, so at the very back of the wand, I drilled a small hole. She had me, we used one of the... Um, diabetic little pokers for testing blood sugar to get a good drop of blood on my hand. Took a small piece of a cotton ball and soaked up the blood. I put that little piece of cotton ball, kind of rolled it up, put it into the wand, and then enclosed it off with some Durham's water putty, which is that or wood filler or wood glue. Anything like that would work pretty well. So from then on, the wand and I were bonded, and it has really helped as an extension of myself, as an extension of my abilities. And um, like I said, it's the strangest thing that every time I pick it up, it feels so, so super comfortable in my hand, like it was, it grew into the perfect shape to hold in my great big paw. <laughs> and it feels, no matter what the room temperature is, it feels warm to the touch for me. And it was funny because I... I told that to my mentor, and she was like, really? And she held it, and she says, well, it is comfortable, but it doesn't feel warm to me. So I just, I found that really, really interesting. Now, I talked about the type of wood you should craft your wand from, and that really does vary. Like I said, the typical for men would be ash and willow for women. However, um, it should be a wood that you have a drawing to or an affinity for. I have always loved oak trees. Uh, let's see, Birch is associated with Bridget, and it said that her wand is made out of Birch, and I'd be willing to bet different woods are associated with various deities. I wouldn't know for sure, because I don't work with deities on the regular. So, absolutely, do what works for you. For me, it's a matter of, oak trees are easy to identify. If you want to use a pine wand, use a pine wand. Just... Be sure to thank the tree for the sacrifice it's given you. And it was also recommended to me by my mentor that you pay the tree something. Something important to you, something of value to you. She had recommended a, a like a half dollar or a, a dollar silver coin, something like that. And I thought, eh, that doesn't work for me. So I actually went back here recently many years down the road from when I, I got the wand from the tree, and I visited it. It took me a little bit to find it, because it's in the middle of the woods, next to a haunted cemetery. But I buried beneath it a small pocket knife that I've had since I was a kid. It had a lot of sentimental value, so it had value to me. I buried it beneath the tree, and I greeted the tree, and I talked to it, and I thanked it again, and I apologized for the lateness of my payment, but I thanked it again for giving me the wand and, and how much I've used it. It's kind of like talking to a friend. It's, it's kind of interesting. 
well, maybe not interesting, but it's just, it just feels right to me. So, absolutely do what works for you, but just be careful, as some woods can cause allergic reactions and some can be poisonous. There's a tree out there that standing underneath can kill you. I would not recommend making a wand from that tree. <laughs> Unless you're some kind of special botanist, which you know how to handle something like that without, you know, getting injured or poisoned. Now, I'm not going to go into too much elaboration on candles, because I have talked about them a lot on previous episodes. But as a general rule, white candles are for protection and purification, and as a symmetrical aesthetic... I prefer to use uh, two on the altar. They're the first candles I light after casting a circle, and the last I snuff out after a ritual. Typically, a single candle of various colors can be added for different rituals, like I've said before, but white, of course, can be used as a good substitute for any other color. Of course, you're literally using fire, so please be careful when using candles, especially ones that you need to burn all the way down. A little bit of an investment in a good candle holder now can save you a lot of trouble. And especially if you're using a cardboard or wooden box to hold your witchy items and you're also using the top of it as your altar. Just a little extra care and caution will go a very long way. Now, and a theme is another quote-unquote necessary tool that comes to mind. It's a knife that should only be used for your witchcraft, so you don't want to just go grab a butter knife out of the kitchen junk drawer. <laughs> My mentor actually built hers from a kit. Um, some have resources to forge one, and there are other ways to get one. Mine I got while helping a friend clean out his father's apartment after his passing. It's kind of on the small side. It has a smallish blade, only about four or five inches long, maybe, and kind of thin. And a car, it, the handle is a carved deer antler. Its sheath is leather, and it has oak leaves on it. I typically use it to banish negative energies from me into wine during my rituals, as well as to carve my intentions into my candles. My mentor's athame was a big, hefty dagger with, you know, double-edged big sucker. Uh, if you couldn't draw it out of the sheath, you could at least beat somebody with it. <laughs> uh, and like I said, mine, it's a smaller single side knife. It's all up to you and what you want. Like your wand, this is yours and it is special to you. If it has some kind of significance, if it has some kind of meaning, even one you can't explain, don't let others dictate what you, what you should or shouldn't use. Something else that you can have are offering bowls or glasses. Mine are a little fancy, and some were gifts, others I just liked. I've got two goblets made out of adventuring that were gifted to me by my mentor. I use them as offering goblets, one with water and one with salt in it. I have some crystal goblets that were left to me by, by her on her passing, and I usually put red wine in one and mead in the other. The red wine I will use to banish negative energy um, on me. That will be, and then the other one is uh, offering to share. So I'll have some and I'll also leave some to, with the spirits and the deities, like the directions that I call. I've also got two small bowls. Uh, they're about a bigger... Uh, 
they're about as big around as a silver dollar. And those I will put meat in one, or some kind of alcohol in one, and nuts or food of some type in the other. Those offering bowls I will empty out in the woods behind the inn, as well as the, and, and it's for the, the spirits as well as the animals. If I remember correctly, those two small bowls are also adventuring or jade. As with most things, you can make your offering containers as plain or as elaborate as you want. I don't think the deities or spirits would really mind if you used Dixie cups. It's, it's, I'm, I'm beating the drum here. It's all up to intent, and it's all up to what you are comfortable with using. I'm always terrified I'm going to drop and break one of the ones when I'm emptying out in the woods. So, paper cups, they don't break, right? <laughs> and those are really some of the basics that uh, I believe, and, and I'm sure a lot of others believe, that you should have on your altar that I can think of, that I know of. But um, there's other things you can add to the altar that can be something for every time or something more ritual-specific. Uh, as an example, some of the symbols that are used for the winter solstice are things that are shiny, things that are green. So I'll add jade, turquoise, and gold to my altar, as well as a three-wick candle to make a symbolic bonfire to welcome back the sun. Some of the other things I have had on my altar over the years include a sword, which... There again, it, if you buy it, if it's something you're, you're really drawn to, you have an affinity for, go for it. The sword I've used, it was gifted to me by my mentor. She said that it's just as important as an athame. They're kind of interchangeable. It's just something to have. <laughs> uh, you can also have a cauldron to burn your incense or to burn pieces of paper that when you're doing intentions that way. Uh, I believe I've said in an earlier episode, mine started out as a small pot that I found in a creek bed, but it's now a cast iron one that I guess I inherited after I had purchased as a gift for my mentor, and then it came back. Different crystals or minerals are also good to have on the altar as well. Um, crystal grids, things like that. Black stones like shadow quartz or black tourmaline are good for protection. And of course... Different minerals corresponding to whatever different rituals or spells that you're doing help. People, I've seen some amazing photos in a couple of the witch groups that I'm in. I'm in Witches Seeking Witchcraft, which is also a podcast, and it's a good podcast to listen to. I recommend them. And uh, I'm also in Witches of Illinois. If you're an Illinois resident, you know, if you're a witch and you want to come in and chat, you know, those groups have been pretty good. Pretty good. I've seen a few elitists and a few gatekeepers, but one of the greatest things about it is as soon as somebody starts getting kind of towards that attitude, other people will jump in and say, whoa, you're way off base here. So that's that's always really good. But I have seen some amazing altars shared in the pages and say, hey, here's this, here's this real star. I've got egg-shaped crystals. I've got this, I've got that. And it's like, yeah, this is inspiring. This is amazing. And, and those groups, for the most part, there's a few bad eggs in every group. You're going to have it. But for the most part, they're very helpful, they're very inspiring, and there are some fantastic people in those groups. And I try to be one of them. <laughs> I can't I can't uh, say for others' experience, but I try to be. And again, uh, though I know I put extra emphasis on this, but it's all up to you what's going to work for you, what you're comfortable with so far as in the space you have. If you're still in the broom closet... And, and how, and how, 
how elaborate you want to get or what your budget is. I have a lot of stuff for my altar now, but I didn't when I began, and I certainly didn't have the money to go out and buy a lot of stuff. Hell, I still don't. (laughs) But if you have any questions, don't be afraid to reach out. I know I've said in the past that there's a lot of gatekeeping and a lot of BS that goes on in the witch community, but there's so much more, there's so many more helpful people out there. And I try to be one of them, I do. I'm no expert. I'm doing the podcast thing just for fun and sharing the knowledge that I have. And when sometimes when it's different topics or holidays, boy do I gotta research. <laughs> but... There are a lot of people out there who will make helpful suggestions. Just be aware that some people are not going to be so helpful. And that's okay. That's their problem. I really hope that this episode has been entertaining, as well as helpful to you. If you've got any questions or anything you'd like to hear talked about on the show, please don't forget to write me at thedragonsinpodcast at gmail.com or send a message to thedragonsin on facebook.com slash thedragonsin. I'm Ryujin, and I hope your spring is bright and everything that you plant blooms beautifully. Thanks for listening. Remember, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. Whether you practice daily, monthly, yearly, or are still in the broom closet, you matter, witch. Thanks for listening.